Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals that help listeners tackle the storms of life and become more resilient. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. My dear sisters, I've prayed earnestly concerning the topic I've been asked to address, that we pray not for light burdens, but for strong backs. I've come to understand that to honestly pray for a strong back is a very courageous thing to do. The spiritual exercise required is not an easy course, but the promised blessings make it worthy of our total commitment, whatever the cost. I learned of the importance of a strong back when I was about 10 years old. In the summertime, after we put in a full day's work, my father would take me down to the Belly River near the edge of our small town, Glenwood, not far from the Cardston Temple. There he taught me to swim, not only to swim, but also to eventually jump off the pier into the cold water and swim upstream against the current. It wasn't easy. It took a lot of courage and determination. Yes, and a lot of encouragement from my dad. As I recall, the water was always cold, and for me it seemed very swift. What made it possible was my father swimming along beside me. I can hear his voice in my mind even today. You can make it. Keep going. By the end of the summer, my back was stronger from the consistent effort and constant encouragement. The water in the river had receded and the swiftness of the current had subsided considerably, but only after I had learned the lesson. There must be opposition if we are to develop strength. The river had served the purpose my father had in mind. Today, we must be prepared to swim upstream against the current. We face tremendous opposition. President Hinckley recently spoke of the challenges we face. He said, in the Church, we are working very hard to stem the tide of this evil, but it is an uphill battle, and we sometimes wonder whether we are making any headway. But we are succeeding in a substantial way. We must not give up. We must not become discouraged. Sisters, we must be strong enough to take a stand, to defend our values, and courageous enough to speak up and speak out and to register our vote and stand firm for truth and righteousness under all circumstances. We're swimming upstream against a river of opposition. Our families need our constant encouragement, reassurance, love, and faith. We will never be given more than we can handle with the Lord's help. When we pray for a strong back, we learn that it is through our covenants with the Lord that we are strengthened far beyond our natural ability. The testimony of President George Q. Cannon explains this relationship. He said, When we went into the waters of baptism and covenanted with our Father in heaven to serve Him and keep His commandments, He bound Himself by covenant to us that He would never leave us to ourselves, never forget us, that in the midst of trials and hardships, when everything was arrayed against us, he would be near unto us and would sustain us. Honoring our covenants is the way and the only way to swim against the escalating opposition of our day. When we were baptized and confirmed members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we were given the gift 
of the Holy Ghost. Each week, we have the blessing and opportunity to strengthen our backs and fill our spiritual reservoir. We renew our covenants by partaking of the sacred emblems of the sacrament. We hear in our mind and heart the words of the covenant to always remember him and keep his commandments so we can always have his spirit to be with us. This should be our most earnest desire. Nothing will prepare us to stand against the opposing forces like the blessing and power of the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the messenger providing personal revelation, communication, and connection with our Father in Heaven and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Supposing we were to make a pledge to do all within our power to keep the communication lines open. Supposing there were no compromise, no justification, and no excuse to tolerate any enticement of the world in our entertainment or other activities that would lessen the spirit. Let us strive every day to avoid anything and everything that could weaken our spirit and extinguish the light. Let us simply give it up, turn our backs, and walk away. Elder David B. Haight helps us understand the strength that can be found in our temple covenants, not only for our backs, but for every fiber of our soul. <clears throat> he says, a temple is a place in which those whom he has chosen, that's all of us, are endowed with power from on high, a power which enables us to use our gifts and capabilities with greater intelligence and increased effectiveness in order to bring to pass our Heavenly Father's purposes in our lives and in the lives of those we love. He continues, <clears throat> Come to the temples worthily and regularly, freely partake of the promised personal revelation that may bless your life with power, knowledge, light, beauty, and truth from on high, which will guide you and your posterity to eternal life. A very significant chapter in the Book of Mormon tells of Father Lehi explaining to his son Jacob the need for opposition. For it must needs be that there is an opposition in all things. If not, righteousness could not be brought to pass. The very purpose of this life is for us to be tried and tested in preparation to receive all the blessings the Lord has promised those who love him and keep the commandments. We can expect trials and tribulation. That is an essential part of the great plan. Some we will experience because of our own mistakes, our sins, others merely as a part of living in mortality, and others because the Lord loves us and provides experiences that tend to our spiritual growth. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. It doesn't seem so hard once we understand the purpose for the trials. But there are times when we must trust in the Lord with all our hearts, even when we don't understand. As Elder Bruce Hafen teaches, <clears throat> if you have problems in your life, don't assume there is something wrong with you. Struggling with those problems is at the very core of life's purpose. As we grow close to God, He will show us our weaknesses and through them makes us wiser and stronger. Some years ago, <clears throat> Sister Taylor, one of our faithful sister missionaries, who committed to be totally obedient and strive to have the Spirit with her always, had some very difficult, discouraging and challenging times, not unlike a typical mission. If one is committed to really, really make a difference, it seems the adversary is right there to increase the swiftness of the current 
to increase the opposition that would, if possible, carry us downstream away from our goal. The last day before Sister Janet Taylor was to return home from her mission, she stood before her peers to testify. She had a glow about her, a confidence different than when she had arrived. I'm thankful, she said, for the challenges and the trials. I'm thankful for every single hard day. She paused and then added, and every day was hard. If it hadn't been, I wouldn't be who I am now. I am not the same person I was when I came out. And because of those hard times, she will never be the same person again. She had, as the scriptures say, grown up in the Lord, and her growing will continue. The writings of Orson F. Whitney help us understand the need for adversity. He says, <clears throat> No pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience, is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our characters, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. And it is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gain the education that we that we came here to acquire, and which will make us more like our father and mother in heaven. While serving in the Cardston, Alberta Temple the past three years, I witnessed many strongbacks, those stooped with age and those who traveled long distances to enter within the walls of the temple. I'm not talking about physical distance of miles or kilometers, but about the inward desire, one's priorities and commitment. One day, a young woman, N.A. Jensen, came to the temple to receive her endowment. I could feel the radiance of her spirit. This young woman was born without any arms, nothing beyond her shoulders. However, it was almost as though she had lost awareness of her physical limitation and had been spiritually compensated. Just this past month, my husband and I received a call from N.A. and Gareth Jones telling us of their blessing and excitement. I asked her for permission to share part of their story. They are expecting their first baby in just a few months, the beginning of their posterity. Into my mind, I saw this faithful young mother without arms and thought of her desire to cradle and love this special little spirit. I asked Anae, knowing she would respond positively, how have, you had, how have you learned to handle the hard things in life? In her usual upbeat tone, she said, I just say, Heavenly Father, what am I supposed to learn from this? And if I don't learn it, I've missed an opportunity. While Anae is without arms, her back is strong. She's developed spirituality under what would appear to be adversity. There's no question that baby will be enshrouded with its mother's love. We have many experiences in the Book of Mormon that show us how the Lord intervenes when we turn to Him and how trials and tribulation turn to our good. When Alma and his people were being persecuted by Amulon, the leader of the priests of the wicked King Noah, they began to cry mightily to God. The voice of the Lord came to the people of Alma, just like it will come to us. The Lord said, I know of the covenant which ye have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and will deliver them out of bondage. 
From this record, we learn several very significant lessons. The steps toward the complete delivery from bondage did not happen all at once. Alma's people were told that the Lord would first ease the burdens on their backs, even to the extent that they wouldn't even be able to feel them. The Lord did not take them away completely. There was a reason. It would not have allowed for the growth that took place as they learned to trust in Him. The Lord explained this when He said, And this will I do, that ye may stand as witnesses for me hereafter, and that ye may know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. Learning to carry the burden with ease allowed them to testify and to bear witness from personal experience that the Lord does watch over us in our adversities. We can follow these steps as we apply the pattern in our own lives. And it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them, that they could bear up their burdens with ease, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. And the lesson continues. Because of their great faith and patience through their trials, the Lord spoke to them again. He would not only ease their burdens, but as he had promised in the beginning, he would deliver them. Be of good comfort, he said, for tomorrow I will deliver you out of bondage. We know about our Savior, but it is often in our adversities that we truly find him and know him and love him. In our times of trial, if we turn to him, the Spirit bears witness that our Savior not only can, but will ease our burdens. I can testify from my own experience in life that some of our heaviest burdens, disappointments, heartaches, can in time be replaced with a peace that passeth all understanding while we wait upon the Lord. In the words of Elder Neal A. Maxwell, <clears throat> He says, We can say, I know that God loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. There have been and will be times in each of our lives when such faith must be the bottom line. We don't know what is happening to us or around us, but we know that God loves us. And knowing that for the moment is enough. Sisters, we have a work to do. Our trials and tests are an important part of our preparation. The Lord is counting on us. Now let us consider the possibility of burdens on our backs of our own making. Some would think that by filling up their daily planners with activities, events, and lists of good things to do, it defines them as being successful. But the burden slowly gets heavier and heavier, and without noticing it, they are in danger of being swept downstream with osteoporosis. Oh, my aching back or my back is breaking might be the shout for relief at such times. President Kimball's statement about life invites some thoughtful contemplation. He says, Since immortality and eternal life constitute the sole purpose of life, all other interests and activities are but incidental thereto. Now, does that suggest that there should be no time for fun or sports or scrapbooking? Yes, and shopping and fancy parties? Of course not. But we need to make time to do other things worthwhile. Things, as long as these things are okay, as long as it does not distract from what matters most, the very purpose of life. We cannot feel the spirit, the peace, and the joy of each day when we are burdened beyond our ability to handle it all. I believe that if it were possible, the adversary would like to keep us busily engaged in a multitude of even good things 
if we could be distracted from the few vital things that make all the difference. Now this task of cutting back on some of our activities is really the hard part. It may seem as painful as cutting off an arm or a leg. It requires a sharp knife and determination. Pruning is hard. It can only come after pondering and praying to know what we're willing to cut out to provide more time for what we really desire. I love Michael McLean's song, Hold On, The Light Will Come. As we look at our busy lives, we might sing, let, sing, let go of some things so the light can come. When we realize the truth that our time is our life, whatever we do with our time is actually being paid for with our life. What an awesome thought in today's world we're so, where we're so bombarded with so many things to fill every hour of every day. The Holy Ghost will not only judge, guide us and help us know what to hang on to and what to let go of, but will help us pace ourselves as we face the arduous swim against the current. In the Book of Mormon, the writings of Jacob teach us the need for pruning, cutting back, and thinning the branches. The Lord said of the vineyard, <clears throat> said of the vineyard uh, that it looks at it, as he looks at his dying trees and says to the dedicated servant what we might say when we have concerns for the welfare of our family. But what could I have done more in my vineyard? Have I slackened my hand that I have not nourished it? Nay, I've nourished it, I've digged about it, I've worked all day long, even unto the night. What else might I have done? Sound familiar? It sounds like complete dedication, doesn't it? The servant then explains the problem. It wasn't a lack of dedication or hard work. The branches of the tree, like our overcrowded lives, had overcome the roots or grew faster than the roots, taking the strength unto themselves and leaving the roots undernourished. We're not left to wonder what nourishes our family roots. It is time spent together. It is in following the words of the prophet, including guidance given in the family proclamation. The first responsibility to ease the burden on our backs rests with us. We must take time to ponder, to pray, and to prune. Perhaps it would be a good idea to ponder the question that Nephi was asked when he was swept away by the Spirit in chapter 11 of 1 Nephi. We learn that Nephi must have spent some time thinking and pondering when the Spirit said to him, What desirest thou? Nephi was prepared with an answer. If we were asked in answer to our prayer, What desirest thou? Would we be ready with an answer? Do we know what it is we really want? Not only what we want, but more importantly, what we want to have happen and why? I can hear one of my darling nieces say something like, What I most desire is to make it through the whole day without being impatient or raising my voice, or just to catch my breath for a few moments before the troops come home, or just to feel loved, appreciated, and in control. Certainly that is reasonable and real. But when time is provided to get an eternal perspective and see beyond the urgencies of the day, our perspective changes. We are willing, even anxious, to do some pruning, some cutting back, if that would provide more time for the things we most desire. I've been impressed with the moving account of Emma Smith's most earnest desires at a very challenging time in her life. We read when her husband decided to return to Carthage, she asked him to give her a blessing. Joseph, Joseph asked her to write down the best blessing she desired and he would sign it upon his return. That tells us something about the confidence the Prophet had 
in desires of Emma's heart. He never returned from Carthage, but we have a record of her desires at that fateful time in her life. She wrote ten things she most desired. The first sentence began, <clears throat> I would crave as the richest of heaven's blessings that it would be wisdom from my heavenly Father bestowed daily so that whatever I might do or say, I could not look back at the close of day with regret nor neglect the performance of any act that would bring a blessing. She completed her list of ten with this statement. Finally, I desire a lot in life. I may be enabled to acknowledge the hand of God in all things. Under the most severe testing during that crucial time in the history of the Church, Emma Smith's desires tell us something of the strength of her back. There are courageous women who are among us today and those who will follow after us when we do our part. In the poetic words of a Mormon pioneer, Valate Rail, we see this legacy of faith passed from one generation to the next. They cut desire into short lengths and fed it to the hungry fires of courage. Long after when the flames had died, molten gold gleamed in the ashes. They gathered it with bruised palms and handed it to their children and their children's children forever. Sisters, we're on the Lord's errand. <clears throat> we can have His Spirit to be with us always, with angels round about us to bear us up. Today I pay tribute to my great-grandmother, Susan Kent Green, and her unwavering testimony. In 1835, Susan married Evan M. Green and soon after went to Kirtland to live. They were among the first of the Mormon fugitives at Mount Pisgah, Iowa, in the early spring of 1846. As, Susan, as soon as Evan pitched the tent, he left his wife and their little ones while he went with his team and wagon to aid in bringing forward some of the saints who were without means of their own. Unfortunately for Susan, she had no near neighbors. Almost as soon as her husband had gone, the eleven-month-old baby became ill. The baby rapidly grew worse and, after a few days, died in its mother's arms. This occurred on a dark and stormy night accompanied by loud thunderbolts and vivid lightning flashes. All she could do was to pray that the Lord would not forsake her, but would send someone to help her, which prayer was answered. A young man came to the door and spoke words of pity and comfort. In the morning, he made a coffin and dug a grave for the baby and buried it. Susan had to prepare the little body for its last rest <clears throat> herself. This was the only the beginning of the tests that were to follow. Evan and Susan arrived in Utah, having endured much. She wrote the following on the first page of her journal, dated February the 3rd, 1875. <clears throat> I make this covenant. <clears throat> I make this covenant to do the very best I can, asking God for wisdom to direct me and that I may walk with him in all righteousness and truth. I much desire to be pure in heart, that I may Help me, Lord, to overcome all evil with good. This covenant with the writings on this page is written with my blood, and I have not broken my covenant, and trust I shall not. Signed, Susan K. Green. I look forward one day to meeting my great-grandmother and pray that I can tell her that I have followed her path, kept the faith, and all the covenants.
with an understanding of the purpose of life and our promised blessings as women of the covenant and the need for opposition, let us be grateful that God allows us to struggle, to cry, and to feel pain, else how could we comfort others in their tribulation? Let us be grateful to know about hurt and healing, else how could we know the healer, the great physician who invites us to come unto him and be healed? Let us be grateful to know about fear and faith, else how would we recognize the light of faith after the dark night of fear? Let us be grateful to know about discouragement and encouragement, else how could we reach out and take, take another's hand in empathy, understanding, and love? Let us be grateful to know about offenses and forgiveness, else how could we ever begin to appreciate the Atonement? Let us be grateful for His infinite love and hear, our, and hear in our minds and hearts His words of comfort. What I say unto one, I say unto all, Be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst, and I have not forsaken you. I testify that in those difficult times, when our crosses seem unbearable, He who carried the cross for all of us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will sustain us, be with us, and will be the strength in our backs when we turn to him in earnest and fervent, sincere, and humble prayer. To this I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Overcoming Adversity podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the Prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on Podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.